Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 2018 Back Sports Page NFL Draft Special. I am your host, Ryan Stern, host of Beyond the Bench, soon to be the Zero Technique podcast. Uh, It's great to be back on the airwaves. It's been quite some time. Uh, We're going to have a great show today. We're going to have a four-person mock draft. Uh, we are going to be joined by John Lobb of FootballDieHards.com. We're going to be joined by Brian Bosarge of DeepFriedDraft.com. And we are going to be joined by our special guest, John Falcone. Uh, John is the person who I personally talk to the most about the draft. So uh, if, if there's anyone who... Uh, who knows what I can do or what I'm going to uh, be thinking with the draft. It is going to be John, but this is going to be the most intriguing draft that we have seen in quite some time. Uh, Whether you're looking at the three best players in the draft who are not quarterbacks, you're looking at four, potentially five uh, quarterbacks that are going to be taken in the top half of the first round there's just so much intrigue with uh, with this year's draft. And uh, the first member of our panel that we are going to uh, to bring on is from footballdiehards.com. He is such a great friend of the program, uh, John Lobb. How are you tonight, John? Oh, I'm doing great, Ryan. I think this is my third year that I get to do a mock draft with you. I can't wait, and I yep. know for you it, it is exciting with the Giants have the second pick. Oh, I, I mean, I, you're starting to get the feeling that the entire draft is going to turn on what the Giants do with the with the second pick, whether they actually use it or whether they trade out. Uh, I know it's definitely a, an interesting one for you, uh, being a follower of the Denver Broncos, where early on – it seemed that they were going to be in on one of the quarterbacks. Uh, then they go out and sign Case Keenum. Uh, but a lot of people think that that's not going to uh, stop them from taking a quarterback. If you're sitting in the draft room uh, with alongside John Elway, what are you telling him the biggest needs of the Denver Broncos are? Um, the biggest need to me is clearly offensive line. 
while we have not had efficient quarterback play the last two seasons, the offensive line has not been able to open up any holes in the running game, and they really have not been able to protect our quarterbacks in the passing game. So I think they have to upgrade the offensive line first and foremost. I understand they might have some needs in the secondary, but I think if you don't fix that offensive line and give Case Keenum some time to use his weapons like Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders downfield, the Broncos offense isn't going to take flight and they're going to be stuck in neutral. Is now, obviously, there seems to be one uh, offensive lineman that could possibly be taken at five. Do you see the Denver Broncos being one of the teams that could be involved in a potential trade-down scenario with one of the teams that are going to look to uh, move up in the draft for a quarterback? In my opinion, you asked originally, what advice would I give to John Elway? The absolute advice that I would give is they've got to trade out of that fifth spot. They must acquire more assets. There are the middle of the line, guard center, interior line is very, very strong. They can trade down. Maybe you can trade with Buffalo or New England. You get two picks in the first round this year, one you can use on the secondary and one you can use on the offensive line. If you want to get real crazy, you could use two players on the offensive line, but I would definitely trade out of that pick if I was John Elway and the Denver Broncos. All right. Uh, so, unfortunately, in uh, in this mock, we are not going to be doing any trades. So, uh, in, in a draft that feels like there's going to be very uh, many trade options, it may not look the way that it turns out tomorrow, but uh, – this is definitely going to be a, a real interesting one for us tonight. Uh, the second panelist that we are going to bring to, uh, to the table is Brian Bosarge of DeepFriedDraft.com. How are you tonight, Brian? Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing great, Ryan. It's, uh, it's awesome to do this with you guys. Uh, just gonna, let's, ha- let's have some fun. All right. So um, I want to get your opinion with the, with the top of the draft. Uh, Earlier today, we're starting to hear a little bit of, uh, I I don't know if it's a smoke signal, but uh, it's coming from Mary Kay Cabot, who seems to be one of the the, the more trusted uh, writers for the Cleveland Browns. And she's coming out saying that it could possibly be down to the two quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns, with those two being uh, Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, and that Darnold is not involved. Uh, do you think that that's just a smokescreen for potential trades, or do you potentially think that those could be the two that they're thinking of? I'm not buying it. I mean, I think that's basically just them leaking information out. Hey, let's let's drum up, let's get all this uh, intrigue out there, so when seven o'clock uh, rolls around tomorrow night, we've got more eyeballs on the draft. Uh, I mean, I, I personally think that. It's a smokescreen. I I see Darnold being the pick, but I don't have that pick. That that is in the hands of John Laub, uh, which we will get to in just one minute. And uh, we are going to bring in our fourth member of the panel, 
my good friend, John Falcone. How are you this evening, John? I'm doing quite well. Um, I, uh, you know, you mentioned before that you and I talk a lot about the draft. So uh, I know, uh, I, I guess I could say, I, I know you from all the way back when you liked Josh Rosen to uh, Josh Allen to Sam Darnold and all the way back full circle to Josh Rosen. Yeah, I, I definitely have come full circle uh, with Josh Rosen. Um, but if you're sitting in the draft room, and I know that you're a follower of the Giants as well, if you're sitting in the draft room with uh, that new regime with, uh, with Dave Gettleman, what are you uh, putting in as your input for that Giants pick? Well, like, to, to kind of go off that last question um, about the, you know, the, the you know, potential smokescreen at number one, I look at it like who's going to benefit from that information getting out there that they're considering Allen or Mayfield, um, the Browns, I mean. And I think are they trying to drum up trade interest for the number two pick in the Giants? Is this some kind of David Gettleman, Brandon Bean connection? So I'm 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 of the opinion that they're seriously considering those two guys. I mean, Allen is the John Dorsey uh, prototype QB, but he's already come out to say he likes Mayfield. And I'm hoping, as a Giants fan, that they go in the direction of one of those two guys to leave Sam Darnold for me, who I like the best of the quarterbacks. This year. Very very interesting. Okay, we are going to get this started. Uh, so w- with uh, with uh, with the first pick of the Back Sports page 2018 NFL Draft mock, uh, John Wild is on the clock for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> now, if I had the pick, my number one rated quarterback is Josh Rosen. But reading the tea leaves, looking at all the news that is out there, kind of get a feel for the draft. I believe that the Cleveland Browns are going to take Sam Donald out of USC. Now, I have him as my second-ranked quarterback. I think it's very close between the two. I think Rosen is more of your classic um, pocket passer with the floor of a Matt Ryan and a possible ceiling like Eli Manning winning two Super Bowls but I love Donald's athleticism. He has that chutzpah that you like in your quarterback. He's very young. He's only 20 years of age, and you can see the upside. So I believe the Cleveland Browns are going to take Sam Darnold with the first pick in the draft tomorrow. All right. So all the the smoke screens are being put to bed, and the the Browns go with the one who seems to be – the, the consensus belief uh, for the past two, three months or so, and they go Sam Darnold. And now I'm on the clock for the New York Giants. Our pick is in. Uh, I am of the belief that the New York Giants are going to look at, uh, they have to take a deep look at their roster. They are in a a conference with with the NFC that is absolutely stacked. They have to take a good, deep look and see if they think that they can be a contender this year, possibly next. I am not so sure that they can be. 
if they feel that they if they add Saquon Barkley at this spot and that's going to put them over the top, make them a title contender, I am on board. I think that they can go that way. But I don't think that they are that close to a title. So I am going to look for uh, the future of this uh, franchise, and I'm going to take Josh Rosen at number two uh, to the New York Giants. And uh, on the clock now, number three is Brian Bosarge uh, with the New York Jets. Well, the New York Jets didn't trade all those picks to go up to number three uh, with the Colts without having the thought of we're drafting a quarterback. So with that in mind, and since two quarterbacks have already gone, the New York Jets will select Baker Mayfield quarterback, Oklahoma. Uh, Baker, the, now, I, uh, I, I want to get everyone's uh, quick opinion, uh, ju- just a, a real quick opinion on – how they feel Baker Mayfield's game is going to translate into the NFL. We'll start with you, Brian. I mean, I, I have Baker Mayfield uh, behind Josh Rosen as my number two quarterback. I think he's accurate. He moves the pocket well. He's just over six foot, but that doesn't affect him from getting balls batted down. He throws with touch. I mean, he's the most efficient passer in college football history. He set the record two years in a row. He's got moxie, if you will. Um, people say he's a bit rambunctious or whatever on the field, but so is Phillip Rivers. He's had NFL success, so I don't hold that against him. I think Baker Mayfield's perfect for New York and perfect for what the Jets want to do going forward. Uh, John Love, what are your uh, feelings on the uh, the translation of Mayfield's game to the NFL? I really don't have any concern that Mayfield will be able to play in the NFL. I have him as my number three rated quarterback coming out. You look at his production, and there are six measures that I like to look for in a quarterback, what they've been able to do at the college level. As an example, completion percentage. I'm looking for a career completion percentage of 65% in over 30 games started. Baker Mayfield smashes every number and every production standpoint that you, that a quarterback could accumulate on campus. He's amazing from that. I do think there's a little bit of Russell Wilson and Drew Brees in his game. I like the fact that he scrambles to keep the play alive, but he also keeps his eyes down the field. But he does have the athleticism to make and gain a first down with his legs. Um, I think he has a very high ceiling, but I could see there being a floor where things do not work out for Baker Mayfield. But I think for the Jets right now, with the third pick in the draft, I think he's the quarterback they have to select. Uh, John Falcone, you are going to be on the clock with uh, with the Browns at number four. Uh, I'm interested uh, to, to hear what you think of one Mr. Mayfield. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've watched the least amount of um, – uh, it's not even videotape anymore. Um, but uh, I watched the least uh, footage of quarterback uh, out of the big four in this draft. And uh, uh, 
So I'm 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 not as familiar with you know his his gameplay, but all of the interviews I've heard of him and of his teammates and coaches uh, seem promising. So he seems like a really good teammate and a really good uh, leader in the locker room, and I feel like those are promising things. And I feel like there's he has enough good traits, and there's enough offenses, you know, that operate with like, you know, West Coast timing and rollouts and uh, a lot of what like Case Keenum was doing in Minnesota, I think would apply to Baker Mayfield's traits. All right. Very interesting. So uh, now you will be on the clock at number four for the Cleveland Browns. Um. I, I love Bradley Chubb. He's probably one of my favorite players in this draft, and uh, I think the idea of lining him up on the opposite side of uh, uh, Miles Garrett with uh, uh, that other guy rotating in and out, I think they could have a dominant defensive line. And in that division, you know, getting after Roethlisberger and, uh, uh, um, you know, Flacco and uh, Red Rocket guy, whatever his name is, um, <laughs> I, I think I think that's a, that's a huge a huge luxury item to to add at number four. So Bradley Chubb. All right. So uh, we will now move to John Lobb with his Denver Broncos. Now, John, is this uh, the the way that this has uh, fallen so far? Is this a good thing for the Broncos or not? If I was Denver right now, I would have that card up on the desk with my pick within three seconds. I am clearly taking Saquon Barkley right here. In my opinion, he is by far the best player in the draft. There is no question in my mind. You're talking about a game changer, six foot, 233 pounds. You know, he has LaDainian Tomlinson and uh, Marshall Falk game in him. He can make a difference in the passing game. He is nasty at picking up the blitz. He's a three-down back. He automatically gives Denver a 1,500-yard um, runner from line of scrimmage, so between receiving and rushing the football. Look, it, I said it earlier. This is a very deep interior offensive line draft. The Broncos can double dip in rounds two and three into the center-slash-guard position. I'm taking the best player in the draft, Saquon Barkley, for the Denver Broncos. Uh, and especially with them uh, releasing C.J. Anderson, Devonta Booker is now the uh, the number one running back on that roster. I think there, there's probably a lot of questions as if he, uh, he can handle number one duties in the NFL. Uh, seems that Saquon Barkley is the uh, is the lock of uh, of this draft. So getting him at number five is uh, is is quite uh, quite a steal. Uh, so now I'm on the clock with the Indianapolis Colts, and this one is easy for me. Uh, this guy is my number one player on my board. Uh, if he were a tackle. I think he would be the number one pick in the draft, and Cleveland would then look to take their quarterback at number four. 
uh, and that's going to be Quentin Nelson, the nasty guard out of Notre Dame. Uh, Nelson, uh, all, all you hear about is that he, he does everything right. He's powerful. He's quick. He's agile. He can run block. He can pass block. He's very quiet. He's not going to do anything that's going to hurt your team. And they have a lot of money invested in Andrew Luck and have not been able to keep him healthy. And this is going to uh, – not saying that this is going to solve their offensive line issues, but it's definitely going to uh, get themselves on that track. Uh, so now we're going to go over to Brian uh, for number seven and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, Tampa Bay is not happy right now because they were, they were hoping to see Saquon Barkley or Quentin Nelson fall in their laps here, maybe even Bradley Chubb. So we're going to go with the best available defensive player on their board, and Derwin James, defensive back, Florida State. Can play safety, can play corner, can come down and be a nickel linebacker if you need be, can play nickel corner, doesn't matter. Derwin James can do it all, and he essentially makes their defense better as soon as he steps on the field. He seems a lot like uh, a a Cam Chancellor clone. Uh, Do you see that in him? Oh, no doubt. I mean, he, he'll come down and lay the wood. He, he'll rush the passer. I mean, he's all over the place. I mean, if you watch the Alabama game for the first game of the season, he lines up at like six different positions on the field. I mean, he's a, he's a complete uh, matchup, matchup nightmare for offenses. All right. I, I, I absolutely agree. This is, uh, Derwin James is, seems to be the player that I see mocked to, uh, to Tampa the most. Uh, the, and I, I feel unless, there's a team that trades up into uh, the top six and where, where you see four quarterbacks taken uh, in, in that top six. I think you're going to see three quarterbacks and then the other three, top three, uh, leaving them with, with Derwin James. Um, if you had your choice of, for, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of Chubb, Barkley, and Nelson – who do you think is the best fit for that team? Oh, it would be Bradley Chubb. I mean, because they 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 need an edge rusher or some kind of terrible. They have for a couple of seasons now. I thought they might have got one with Noah Spence, but I think he's had some injury issues. So um, they, I think Bradley Chubb would be the perfect guy there for Tampa Bay. All right, and now uh, we're going to go to uh, to the great uh, city of Chicago. And uh, John Falcone will be picking for the Bears. Right. So, uh, the Bears, I feel like, if I'm uh, the Bears GM, I'm kind of tied up between the two linebackers and Denzel Ward, um, the quarterback or the cornerback out of Ohio State. Um, I feel like it's a real good problem to have. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tremaine Edmonds because I like that player a lot, and he's got the size and skill set that reminds me of Brian Erlacher. So I think that'd be a good fit there in Chicago. All right. Uh, just interested to to see what what part of his uh, skill set do you uh, like better than someone like a Roquan Smith. 
Well, I like that he's 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 bigger. Um, he's coming in at like six five and like two fifty compared to Roquan, who's closer to six foot. Um, so he and he can come off the edge as like a uh, three four outside linebacker as well as playing inside. But I like the ability that he could play all four of the linebacker positions for uh, Big Fangio, and uh, uh, you know he's another uh, really young player. I think he's also like. 19 or 20 years old or something like that. So, um, it's just, I think he, I uh, think him, him and Garnold are the two youngest in the class, I believe. Yeah. I just feel like that's the limit for him. All right. Uh, so now we're going to go to John Lobb and, uh, head out West to the, uh, San Francisco 49ers. I was really hoping Tremaine Edmonds would fall to San Francisco. I love his upside, and I believe he started at the age of 17 at Virginia Tech. Think about that for a minute. 17 years of age, he was on an NFL, or uh, sorry, an ACC field competing against some of the best programs in the nation. You're right. I believe he's 20 years old right now. He's 6'5", 253. I love this young man. But we have a very good second option here, Roquan Smith out of Georgia. He's the Dick Buckus Award winner, 6'1", 236 pounds. Anyone who watched Georgia late in the season from the SEC championship game to the CFP playoffs, every time you looked up, Roquan Smith was the leader of that defense. I love this kid for 60 minutes, sideline to sideline. He hits people. San Francisco has a nice front four, they, but they need some help in the, in the linebacker. I love Smith to play there for San Francisco. Uh, Roquan Smith is my, uh, is my number five player uh, that I have rated in this draft. Uh, so getting him at nine seems to be a, a, a great value. Uh, his sideline to sideline ability is just if, if see I I feel that Roquan Smith is more of a clone of Brian Urlacher than uh, than someone like a Tremaine Edmonds uh, just because of his sideline to sideline ability. He also has flashes of of a Luke Keekley, um, but. Uh, watching him in the in the college football playoff was what uh, was just it was, it was fun to watch. Uh, so now I'm on the clock with uh, with the Oakland Raiders, and those last two picks just made uh, one Mr. John Gruden very upset because he's looking for someone to play opposite Khalil Mack because they frankly have not been able to generate any sort of pass rush opposite him. Uh, he's starting to get double teams, and it's just falling apart a little bit for the Raiders. So I'm looking at the board, and I just don't see a, type, a pass rusher that I can take at 10. So it's down to someone who... or someone who could possibly be looking for one of the quarterbacks that's still on the board. Um, but we're, uh, we're going to stay here. And even though we've, uh, we've taken secondary a lot 
early in uh, the, the past couple drafts. We're going to stick with the secondary uh, and take Denzel Ward, cornerback from Ohio State. Uh, his size is, uh, is the only negative that I see about his game. Uh, he has great ball skills. He's got great coverage. He, he can play man-to-man. He can play zone. Uh, I, just, I don't see anything wrong with his game except for – the fact that he's one he he's a, a, a slighter quarter cornerback. Uh so with that we are going to move uh to Brian and uh number eleven the Miami Dolphins. Well after having to cut Indomitian Sue for salary cap reasons, uh Miami sits at eleven and will take the best available interior defensive lineman and that will be Vita Vea from Washington. Vita Vey is one of the most intriguing prospects to me in this draft. Um, you, you have somebody who can play anywhere from 330 to 360, yet he can move like someone who's weighing 270. Um, the, the one thing that intrigues me about or, or that, that worries me a little bit about his game is the lack of production uh, with uh, with sacks at uh, at the college level, um, but I, I think that that can change at uh, in, in the NFL. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely love uh, Vita Vea. I was considering him at uh, at number ten with the Raiders. Uh, so we're going to go to John Falcone, number twelve, and those Buffalo Bills. And 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 I am going to. Sprint to the podium to hand in my card and, and get the quarterback who is probably the best fit for what I do. Um, I'm going to, you know, I didn't need to trade up with, you know, any of these, you know, any of these guys in the bottom of the top 10 to get them. Uh, Josh Allen, the quarterback from uh, Wyoming. Oh. Who, uh, I mean, Josh Allen to me, I, I've, Last year, um, Patrick Mahomes was the guy that I had, had the, the biggest uh, jump of rankings from anybody uh, that I had ranked from when I started uh, watching tape to the time that the draft happened. I, I had started off with Patrick Mahomes being like a third or fourth rounder and then I had him as possibly my number one quarterback. I think I had him just behind Deshaun Watson. Um, this the, the Josh Allen feels a lot like uh, a Patrick Mahomes uh, to me. What is it about Josh Allen uh, that that you think fits the what Buffalo's looking to do? Well, they've they've only got um, their quarterback signed for two years, and uh, I feel like that's probably the amount of time that Josh Allen's going to need to like get a, get acclimated to the NFL and the NFL competition coming from Wyoming. Uh, but he has all the raw physical tools that would that he would need to be successful, um, and hopefully the team can put some playmakers around him so that he has 
more success um, than he did in the college level. Um, but he seems like a really good kid, and he seems like he takes well to coaching, and so I think that he can take that next step. Uh, does the completion percentage in, in, uh, at Wyoming concern you? Yeah, it concerns me, and, and something I, I, I heard a, another analyst say was that he, he never truly dominated in any of his games, and so, yeah, that worries me. And, you know, I like him a lot as a prospect, but, um, you know, if I was in the top five, I probably wouldn't take him. But at this, lo- at this location in the draft, considering he's a quarterback and he's going to get bumped up, um, I think it's a good spot for him especially with Buffalo not having to trade any other picks uh, as, as far as this draft goes. I feel like it's a, it's a great value. All right. Um, so now I'll we're going to go to right question on Alan. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I was going to say, with, with, with Allen, I want the last two seasons they played Nebraska, Iowa, and Oregon against Power 5 teams. In those three games, Allen completes something like 50% of his passes and has like nine interceptions. I mean, it was the game against Nebraska was a complete just horror show where he gets picked off five times. We're not exactly talking about the black shirt mid-90s Nebraska defense here either. So, I mean, that concerns me a lot is when they played anybody of any worth, he was terrible. And uh, so that, I just I, – I, I have Allen as my number 70 overall player. I just I, I can't oh, get behind so, Josh Allen. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, now, let me uh, let me bring. I, you know, up I just you. heard someone the uh, other day say he was a sixth rounder on tape, so you're not alone there. Yeah. So with um, with with Josh Allen, do you see any of his uh, his accuracy issues being put on the the just the the team around him. He does not have any wide receivers, any pass catchers that are going to sniff the NFL. Um, and, and yes, when he, when he's going to, uh, he was playing against the Power Five conferences. He the, his numbers are not good. I'm just going out there, and, and I'm not as worried because I don't think he had a full hand that, that he was dealt. Well, I go back to his junior season. He had a receiver that was on an NFL roster um, all last year, I think, Gentry, I think, with the Jets. May have been on that roster. He had him on the roster, and he had a running back that was a 1,500, 1,600-yard rusher um, who was drafted in the fifth round uh, by Atlanta, Brian Hill, on his team there to take the pressure off, and his completion percentage was still hovering around 54, 55% as a junior and yes, this past season he had like nobody to throw. Oh, he also had a tight end on his uh, in 2016 that was on New England's roster all of last year, uh, Jacob Hollister. So he had three NFL offensive players on his team in 2016, and he still couldn't complete more than 54 percent. Uh, well, uh, that, hey, uh, we're we're all entitled to, and uh, you're you're definitely not alone in your beliefs. I have heard. Uh, Josh Allen is the, the the player that I have heard the the widest variety of <clears throat> uh, of uh, rankings of, of anyone in this draft. Um, I like him. 
would I take him in the top five? Probably not. Uh, but do I think that he can be an NFL quarterback? Yes, I do. Uh, if he gets the, the, the right coaching around him, if he gets a, a good roster around him, I think he can. Uh, he he has all the physical tools needed to succeed. Now, yeah, we've we've seen quarterbacks with physical tools be major busts. It, it, it's just something about this kid that I I I, I like. Uh, so now we we are going to move uh, to number thirteen, the Washington Redskins, and John Lobb. Um, this is a bad scenario. I love B. DeVay. He's my favorite player in this draft. I love watching him play. I've watched a ton of Washington Huskies football. He is a disruptive force in the interior. So I was really hoping that he fell to Washington. But the Redskins desperately need defensive line help. And the question is, do I want to go into the interior or do I want to pass Russia? In a division that has... Ezekiel Elliott, and they have the Eagles with another strong offensive line on the interior. I'm going to get what I believe is the best remaining run stuffer, disruptive in the middle, Deron Payne, Alabama. I like this young man. He can, he can plug and play immediately from day one into that Washington defense, and they've got to stop the run in that division. Uh, that that's one that I, to be honest, as a Giants fan, I'm hoping does not happen. Uh, I really like Deron Payne. Um, he uh, the the you you said the, the perfect word when it comes to him, and that's disruption. He he just he seems to disrupt, and and it, it may not be every play and play in and play out, but you usually see at least once a quarter he's going to make a play that's going to make a difference. Um, uh, so De- Deron Payne is a heck of a pick uh, going to the Washington Redskins. Uh, and now I'm on the clock with, uh, with the Green Bay Packers at number 14. And to me, this is going to be as easy as it comes. I'm going to take a guy who everyone thought was going to be a top five pick uh, throughout most of the uh, the college football season, and we are going to bolster our secondary with another Alabama player, and we're going to take Minka Fitzpatrick. That's great. I love that. Uh, uh, it, it, it fits everything that a, a team with second with holes at cornerback and safety. And you're looking at Minka Fitzpatrick, who can play both cornerback in safety. Uh, I, I think he may, he's the most complete player of, uh, of any of the secondary players in this draft. Um, I think the reason his stock is fallen is because teams are unsure of where his best fit is uh, in the NFL. But when you're, when you're going to Green Bay, you're going to be able to play wherever, whenever. So, uh, Mickey Fitzpatrick goes to the Packers, and we now uh, go to the Arizona Cardinals at number 15 with Brian. Well, I'm tempted to take a pass rusher here because I really like Harold Landry, and I think he would fit Arizona. But 
Um, we've got Mike Glennon as a backup. We've got Sam Bradford as a starting quarterback, but they're what you'd call short-term fits. So we're going to draft a quarterback here to develop and take Lamar Jackson from Louisville to uh, sit for a year, maybe two, behind Bradford and uh, Glennon and uh, develop into something, uh, a star quarterback going forward. All right, so now I'm going to, uh, to, to dig a little deeper with you, uh, where you were so down on Josh Allen, but now we're, we're going to take Lamar Jackson. Uh, what is it about Jackson's game that you think can translate uh, to, uh, to the NFL where you can see him being uh, a top 15 pick? What I like, I mean, while his accuracy numbers are around maybe a little bit better career-wise than Allen's, to me, the uh, playing in a Bobby Petrino offense in college, he has to process more. So you see him having to make more progressive reads um, during the play. You'll see him make two to three reads before he takes off uh, running where Allen may only make one to two and before he, you know, looks to get out. But uh, and also, I mean, you can't, you know, he has the athletic ability to more. He's more of an athlete to uh, to get away. And to me, he has better. He is not trying to say he's as good an athlete as Michael Vick was, but I think he is more advanced of a passer coming out of college than Michael Vick was. Michael Vick is actually on uh, on record saying that he thinks that uh, Lamar Jackson is. Uh, is, is more ahead of the game at, at this point in his career than Michael Vick was uh, at, at the same point. So uh, that could just be Michael Vick seeing a lot of himself in uh, in somebody and uh, showing a little bit of biasness. I'm not a Lamar Jackson fan. I think his footwork is atrocious. I think his release is atrocious. Um, I, 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 I just, I don't see it. I, 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 is he a hell of an athlete? Absolutely. You, you cannot take that away from him. He's going to be able to create more single coverage because you're going to see spies against him. So he, he may benefit from that. I, I just, I, I, I'm not of the, of the belief that he's going to succeed as a, as a quarterback in the NFL. My, I'm so intrigued by all this, uh, all this talk about the new England Patriots trading up for Lamar Jackson. They've host, they hosted him for two visits. He had a private workout with Josh McDaniels. Um, They seem to be real interested in this kid and, that's going to be where where Jackson ends up is going to be a huge story. Uh, so we are now going to, to move. Right. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to go to John Falcone at number 16 with the Baltimore Ravens. So I got to say, I'm, I'm a little sad to see Deron Payne leave the board a couple picks before. Really liked him. I think he would have fit in nicely. Uh, Next to uh, what was that Brandon Williams? Because uh, their their run defense really fell off after he got injured last year. Um, if I'm if I'm if I'm Ozzie Newsome, I'm looking at my team and I need a pass catcher. But I I don't know that I like any of the pass catchers here at 16. Um, 
I know Calvin Ridley's an Alabama alum, so that kind of seems obvious pick right there. So I would like to trade back here if I could. Um, but at this at this juncture, I think I'm going to take. Uh, uh, I think I'm going to go. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Marcus Davenport just because he's higher. I think I'd rather have a pass catcher. I think I'd rather have one of those tight ends. But that question's a lot deeper, so hopefully I can address it in a second. Marcus Davenport, to me, I, I see a lot of uh, similarities between where he is now to where Jason Pierre-Paul was when he was coming out of South Florida. Uh, just completely raw, not a whole lot of um, college uh, production, uh, just a, a physical freak and a, a, a combine warrior. So coaching is definitely going to be important with, uh, with Davenport. Uh, so uh, that's a, a very interesting one. So, uh, we are now going to go John Lobb at number 17 with the San Diego Chargers. I think the Chargers would be a little surprised that there's so much talent along the offensive line here right now. Now, last year I know they invested in the line a little bit, and it did play better. But, you know, Phillips Rivers is not getting any younger. They have offensive weapons at the skilled position players. Uh, Mike Williams should be able to play next year, the, the rookie wide receiver. They drafted in round one from Clemson. I like their defense a lot. So what I'm going to do here is I hear a lot. He's actually moving up my board. I watched him a little bit more, and Colton Miller, offensive tackle, UCLA Bruins, 6'9", 310 pounds, incredibly athletic for a man his size. He can pass block from day one, I believe, in the NFL. He is just a massive human being. I, I believe the Chargers will take the value here and upgrade the offensive line. Wow. Um, uh, I, I can see them going uh, offensive line. I, I see them going with a, with a different player. Um, but Colton Miller, I mean, you, you look at – uh, and a lot of eyes were brought to uh, his tape because of Josh Rosen. And he was able to, to do a, a really good job protecting Josh Rosen's blind side this year. Um, is he my top tackle off the board? No. Um, but uh, with me moving uh, to number 18 and the Seattle Seahawks, I'm going to, in my eyes, take advantage of that, and uh, I'll, I'll take who I feel is the, the, the top tackle in the board uh, in, in the draft, and I will take Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. And so now we are at number 19 with the Dallas Cowboys, and Brian, you are on the board. Um, a part of me with the Cowboys – feels like they would take a wide receiver here since they just released Des Bryant and it's not exactly what you'd call a strength on their team. But I know they also like 
and have put a lot of time and effort into uh, visits with him. So I'm going to say the Cowboys select linebacker from Boise State, Leighton Vanderesh, 6'5", 250 linebacker. Uh, Van, Van Der Esch is one of those guys who I I love. <laughs> uh, what is it about Van Der Esch's game that has has had him skyrocket up so many boards? Well, he's a very physical sideline to sideline guy, I and mean, like I said, he's so big. Now there is concerns that he may have some uh, injury issues because of the fact that he wears a neck roll, and you just don't see that uh, with too many players anymore but um with van der esch i mean i think he fits in with the cowboys uh playing he'll play next you know play he'll take over the middle uh for oft injured sean lee and uh play next to jalen smith and will be a big contributor for dallas going forward now why did you end up passing on someone like a, a calvin ridley obviously you stated that the the cowboys have a major need at uh, a wide receiver right now. Uh, their number one receiver is either Alan Hearns or Terrence Williams. And uh, I, I obviously don't think that that can, uh, that you can succeed at, at, at this, in this year's NFL with that at, at wide receiver. Do you, is it just that you don't think the value is there for Ridley or do you like the value later in the draft more? I think the I think the value for receiver it just it while there is some quality guys here like I, I know they like Cortland Sutton and I do too I like him more than Ridley but I think the depth of the position is better in the mid second round to fourth round area and maybe you throw a couple of picks at wide receiver in in that range you know and just get two for one so to speak and with that way and then see see who the best guy is from that group. Uh, so now we're going to go to the Detroit Lions and John Falcone. So the the Lions' biggest issue, it seems, for years now, is getting some help next to Ziggy Ansah. And uh, now Ziggy's a franchise player, and it's probably uh, might be his last year on the team. Um, they're in a good spot because, you know, Harold Landry's dropped and uh, Tape and Bryant had a killer combine, so he would be a, a, another interesting choice. Uh, but I like Landry here. Uh, you know, he can play in space a little bit, and, uh, um, you know, he, he's had more production. Um, and Tape and Bryant, who's really just shown a lot of athleticism but hasn't really put it all together yet. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Harold Landry here. And he seems like a uh, good guy. Who's actually get to like a, a number of different schemes that Patricia might put together. Yeah. Landry is actually one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, if you look at his, if you strictly look at his 2017 tape, you're going to have him outside of the first round. Uh, if you look at his 2016 tape, it's outstanding. And then you look at what offenses did uh, to him, whether it be double or triple teams, constantly on every single play, because the rest of the Boston College defense just flat out wasn't good, and he was the only player on the team that really any offenses feared. So he was constantly getting double and triple teamed, 
which is why his production this year took a major spike. If you're putting him opposite someone of Ziggy Ansah's caliber, he's not going to see that. So I, I think this is a great fit. So uh, that, that's, uh, that, that, that's one of my favorite picks of this draft so far. Uh, so we're going to go now to the Cincinnati Bengals at number 21 with John Laub. The Bengals, they're always going to throw a monkey wrench at you. I've heard rumors that they might go in the secondary, which I think right now they have greater needs. So I would not be shocked. I happen to like um, Josh Jackson, the cornerback out of Iowa. But I'm not going to go there because they have a desperate need in the interior of their offensive line. And I like this player a ton. Isaiah Wynn, offensive guard out of Georgia. When you watch that Georgia running game, granted, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle were fantastic. But when every time I watch that film, Isaiah Wynn, six foot three, three hundred and thirteen pound guard, he was just mauling. He's nasty. He's got very good feet. He can pass block. The Bengals need help. They have Joe Mixon. They want to get that running game going. They need to protect Andy Dalton up the A-gap. They need a big mauler. I'm taking Isaiah Wynn, Georgia guard. Uh, Isaiah Wynn is, uh, is one of my, uh, another one of my favorite players. Uh, in my last mock uh, that I uh, put out this morning, um, I actually had the Giants uh, trading out of the number two pick uh, with Buffalo picking up uh, 12-22 and a first-rounder next year. And then I used number uh, 12 and a second-round pick to move back up to uh, to take a quarterback. Uh, but at number 22, I had the Giants taking a win, and it was my favorite pick of the draft. Uh, I, I, Isaiah Wynn, he can play multiple spots on the line. Uh, he, he's very versatile. Uh, just and and he's he's nasty. So uh, that that <laughs> interior uh, offensive line is where I've had the Bengals going in every single one of my mocks, uh, and, and I've had them taking Isaiah Win multiple times. Uh, so I think that's one possible pick. So uh, I'm now on the clock with uh, with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, we haven't seen a pass catcher come off the board. Uh, we're looking at the, uh, the the group of pass catchers that Buffalo has. Doesn't really uh, scare many people. Kelvin Benjamin just isn't what he used to be when uh, uh, his first year or two in Carolina. Uh, so I'm going to look to give my, uh, my new quarterback uh, a fresh toy to play with, and I will take Kelvin Ridley. Uh, wide receiver from Alabama. I don't necessarily think he's I, – I don't have him as my number one wide receiver, but I think for what uh, what Buffalo is going to look for, I think he, he's going he's the, the, the better pick than someone like a DJ Moore. Uh, so I will take uh, Calvin Ridley, and now we go to Brian with uh, the New England Patriots at 23. 
Well, I can tell you the New England Patriots were eyeballing Calvin Ridley there, hoping he would be able to uh, take him at 23 because of the Belichick-Nick uh, Saban connection there that they seem to have. Um, and I do think a pass catcher is on the menu here for New England, but with Gronkowski, is this maybe going to be his last year? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But the New England Patriots will take tight end from South Dakota State, Dallas Goddard, with the 23rd pick. Um, I'm, I'm interested because I, I have Goddard as uh, as my number one tight end, but the, the this group of tight ends seems, especially near the top, uh, on everyone's board seems to be very interchangeable. Um, what is it about his game that you like the the most? Well, to me, he's more of a complete tight end than say Mike Jasicki is, who couldn't block me if I was trying to get to the quarterback and he was trying to block me. Uh, Dallas Goddard at least is a serviceable blocker. He stretches the field, has tremendous hands, and he's an excellent route runner. I love everything about Goddard. He's my number 15 overall player, number one tight end. Um, I mean, I just I think he's he's I've watched probably way more South Dakota State Jackrabbit games than I care to admit over the last <laughs> two seasons, and Goddard is the main reason why. All right, uh, so now we are going to move uh, to number 24 in the Carolina Panthers, John Falcone. So if uh, Bashad Breeland passed his physical last month, I feel like they'd have, you know, a lot of really good options to choose from at this pick. Uh, but, you know, he didn't, and they weren't ever able to replace him, so they have a huge hole in their secondary um, opposite Bradbury. Um, and so right now, Josh Jackson and Mike Hughes are still available, um, as well as Jair Alexander. So I'm going to go with one of the quarterbacks or the cornerbacks. And uh, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take Jair Alexander. Yeah, that that's, uh, that's my guys, the number two. Uh, pure corner in the league. Um, his ball skills are just off the charts. Um, he also can help out in the uh, in special teams. Very good returner. So uh, I don't know how many uh, first-round picks that uh, play defense necessarily get used on uh, as a returner in their first year, but he's uh, he's definitely one that's going to throw his name into that hat. Uh, so now we're going to move to number 25, and uh, John Laub with the Tennessee Titans. You know, I kind of feel um, that from a boy from Connecticut, I watch a lot of SEC football, and I can't believe that Rashawn Evans, linebacker, is still available with the 25th pick in the draft. Inside linebacker, 6'3", 234. I really like this young man. You know he's coming out of Alabama Crimson Tide there with Nick Saban. He's going to be able to play from day one. You can put him into that deep off the run. He can blitz the passer a little bit. I like him a ton. Rashawn Evans, Alabama to the Tennessee Titans. That was my pick in uh, in my mock draft that I put out earlier this morning. Uh, the fit. It, it, it's, it seems to be a perfect fit 
Um, I love the versatility that Evans uh, can bring. I think uh, very similar to uh, a Tremaine Edmonds. He can play inside. He can also be used off the edge. Um, folks, Rashawn, the, I guess the, the big thing with Rashawn Evans is that he played on a defense with a lot of other big names. So he, he kind of got hidden behind them. Uh, what stood out about uh, you said that you watched that you watch that you watch a lot of SEC. I know you're the uh, the big college fantasy football player, uh, but here's a defensive player. What what stands out about Rashawn Evans? One, he's very quick off the ball, and he can play in congestion, which I think is a unique skill trait for linebackers. Not every linebacker can deal with you know those guard centers crap tackles might be coming at him, and you have to be able to, to maneuver in that congestion in the middle of the field. But I think you had mentioned it. You can play him at other positions. He's also versatile enough, and he's quick enough where he can also play in space. And that is a very interesting, unique skill set in today's NFL because, as we know, offenses want to um, spread defenses out they want to attack all the levels of the field. You need linebackers and safeties who can narrow and close those gaps and close that space. And Evans can play both inside and in space. That's why I like him a lot. Yeah, uh, there, there's nothing about his game that really makes you concerned in any way that he's going to uh, to, to hurt the team in any way. Uh, so now the uh, I'm on the clock with the Atlanta Falcons at 26. Uh, I'm looking at possibly adding a tight end. Austin Hooper hasn't really uh, emerged as the, the player that they thought he was going to. Uh, but I think outside of Goddard, um, the, the real value of, uh, of tight ends is going to fall in, uh, in the second round. Um, someone like Mike Kosicki may make sense with, uh, with Hooper being able to, uh, to handle the blocking end, but I'm going to fill their, uh, their number one need, which is at the defensive tackle. And I'm going to take Taven Bryan out of Florida. And uh, now we will move to the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, and Brian, you're on the clock. I have mocked a tight end to the Saints in every mock draft I've done so far, with the exception of one. Um, but I like Dallas Goddard. He's already gone. Uh, I could go with Mike, just Mike Gesicki here. But I think with Max Unger entering the last year of his contract, I think the Saints can go ahead and draft their center of the future and get the most athletic center I've ever scouted in the six years I've been doing deep pride draft, James Daniels center from Iowa here to the New England Saints. There's just something about Iowa linemen that you know that you can trust in, uh, in any way they're reliable. Uh, It's just something that, that, that you know is going to happen. There's going to be, an Iowa lineman 
that is going to be drafted every year. Uh, they do a great job of producing them uh, out there. Uh, James Daniel, I uh, I actually have, I think in my last three mocks, have put James Daniels to Tennessee, uh, to Cincinnati at 21 each time. So uh, having him fall down here to 27, and I, like you, uh, have had the uh, the Saints taking tight ends in just about every month. Um, but that, hey, uh, the the rich get richer uh, when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. So now we're going to go to John Falcone at number twenty eight and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I'm I'm looking at the number two running back falling all the way down to twenty eight at Darius Geis. And uh, my running back is costing something like, I don't know, $14 million this season, and he's going to be exorbitantly expensive next year. So I'm going to draft his replacement right now and uh, take uh, Darius Geis out of LSU. Uh, um, I, I'm interested with, uh, with the, the pick of Geis. Uh, Everyone after number one seems to have a different group of the the next three or four running backs. Uh, how how do you rank your uh, after Barkley? And obviously, it looks like you have Geis as your number two. Uh, send out your uh, your the, the rest of your top five running backs. Oh, I mean. Um... For me, I, I I don't like the first couple. Well, I mean, um, Saquon is so far ahead of the others, so it's like Saquon on one level, and then like maybe Darius Geis, Tony Michelle, and uh, um, Robert Jones together, and then after that, like Nick Chubb, um, Karrion Williams, Karrion Johnson. Name? I like him a lot, actually. Yeah. Terry. Yeah. Um, there, there's something about Terry and Johnson. His running style is very similar to that of Le'Veon Bell, where yeah. he, he seems to be very patient at the line of scrimmage. And I think a lot of people are knocking him for that because they're saying that he, he he's not very good at attacking the line of scrimmage. And you're right, he's not good at it, but neither uh, – and Le'Veon Bell doesn't use that to his advantage. He uses a very patient style of running. I happen to like Carrion Johnson a lot. Uh, so um, for each of our last picks, uh, we will start with John Lobb at number 29 and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So am I reading the board right? The top there's receivers available: Cortland Sutton and DJ Moore. I'm not like losing my mind, correct? Yeah, the the only receiver wide receiver that was taken so far is Calvin Ridley. Which, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if that's how it actually goes tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking at this board, and I think the Jaguars would be absolutely stunned. I do think they want to go interior offensive line or possibly a tight end. So you're looking at a lot of options here. But to me, the value of D.J. Moore, you could put him on this field. He can play all three positions, the X, the Y, and the Z. 
He can be electrifying. You still have a young quarterback in Blake Bortles. I do not believe that they're going to invest in a quarterback in round one here. I don't believe any of that, that narrative. So I'm going to go with who I believe is the best talent remaining right now on the board, DJ Moore, Maryland. Uh, yeah, like I said, DJ Moore is my number one receiver. So getting him, uh, getting him this late is uh, is definitely beneficial for a team who lost Allen Robinson and they uh, lost uh, Allen Hearns, and they're looking at at a group who I, I feel definitely overachieved. Uh, throughout the uh, the 2017 season, uh, Marquis Lee, D.D. Westbrook, uh, it, it's not a lot of star quality there. Uh, so bringing in someone like a D.J. Moore is uh, is a great pick. Uh, for my last pick, I'm on the board. I'm on the clock with uh, with the Minnesota Vikings, and this is going to be an easy one. Uh, we're going to take the top offensive lineman in the that's left, and uh, we're going to take Will Hernandez, guard out of Texas El Paso. And for Brian's last pick, he is on the clock once again with the New England Patriots. Um, New England would have considered DJ Moore here since they didn't draft a wide receiver at 23. I could also see maybe a um, – interior defensive lineman and offensive tackle possibly, but I don't like to buy you here at 31. Maybe if they're with the 49ers pick in the next round, that's where they go. Every year, Bill Belichick makes a draft pick that everybody is like, what is this guy doing? It's it's always off the wall. So I think with this pick, New England will take safety slash corner from Arizona, Dane Krupschank. Uh, with the 31st pick, probably a mid-second round value, mid to late second round value, but he's uh, he tested extremely well and uh, is more of a defensive backfield chess piece uh, here for Bill Belichick. Wow. Um, I, I can honestly say that that's the first time I've seen uh, Dean Crookshank uh, taken in the first round of any mock draft. But, hey, you're right. There, there's always a Belichick move that no one really sees. Uh, in my mock, I had them trade their uh, their two first round picks up to number nine to take Lamar Jackson, even though I don't like Lamar Jackson. I'm just reading the smoke screen. Um, and usually they trade down or they uh, they take someone that uh, that seems to be lower on many people's boards, which is the way that you went with uh, Cruikshank. Uh, but uh, the, the Patriots draft is going to be a real interesting one, given, uh, given the age of Tom Brady, given uh, the, the status of Rob Gronkowski, and uh, the fact that they're coming off another Super Bowl loss. So uh, uh, that, that, that's that 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 that's a stunner right there. Uh so finally, uh we've got John Falcone, uh the resident of Philadelphia, the Giants fan in uh in Philly. 
gets to round out the uh, the first round with uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm still looking for who Dane Crookshank is. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, Philly's got a really complete roster. It's really uh, it's really solid from top to bottom, and uh, they're lucky to not have needs, even though they lost a bunch of players um, this off season. Um, this guy I've really liked uh, since the combine. I mean, he he just lit it up, and I think he'd be a perfect fit. Uh, for their offense. Um, you know, I'm looking at some of these running backs, um, some of these wide receivers like Cortland Sutton, but uh, this player I like a lot, Mike Gusecki. I think he would be a perfect H-back playing behind Ertz and just give that offense a, just another target, um, you know, in the seams there. Uh, I, I hate when people mock really good football players to teams in the division of, of the team that I root for. Uh, I mean, you're looking at Kaseki and he, he's a playmaker. Yeah. He, you, you can't have, he's to me, he's this year's Evan Ingram. Uh, you you yep. can't really ask him to block because it, it, it's not going to be good. But I, I see a lot of similarities to, to his game with uh, with Evan Ingram, and we saw the uh, the impact that Ingram had with the Giants last year. Um, fellas, that that was uh, that that was a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, this is going to be a, a draft that I'm sure a lot of us are going to uh, to remember for quite some time. Uh, but before uh, before we uh we let you guys go i want you to give your guy it's not necessarily the the guy that you're highest on uh, uh, your bet your favorite player in the draft the guy that you seem to be higher on than just about everybody else so where where you you, you hear rumblings of a guy being taken in the third or fourth round. You think he can be taken in the late first, early second, something like that. Uh, so, John uh, Laub of FootballDieHards.com, once again, thank you for uh, for coming on. And who is your guy? Well, everyone knows that I'm more of a fantasy guy, but I love the draft. But I'm going to go with quarterback Kyle Laletta out of Richmond. Now, he played at the FCS level. But I, he does remind me, you know, of a poor man, Joe Flacco. I think he's going to go off maybe in early third round. I do believe that Mason Rudolph is the next quarterback off the board early second round. But then I expect someone to reach for Kyle Laletta. He's kind of my guy. I think he can play in the NFL. He might need one or two years to really ramp up his game and to grasp the NFL level and the speed of the game, but I'm looking for him to be an impact player down the road. Uh, Brian of uh, DeepFriedDraft.com, uh, who is your guy? I'll tell you a guy I really love, and I doubt he gets drafted before the fifth or sixth round, but I compared him all season long. I said he was a not a poor man's version, but a middle-class man's version of David Johnson is Reggie Bonifant, running back from Louisville. 
came to Louisville as a quarterback, uh, started as a freshman, then got beat out by Lamar Jackson, moved to wide receiver, then they moved him to running back. Basically, he was the ultimate team player, uh, Bobby Petrino called him. But uh, Bonifon shows a nice vision as a back, good explosiveness. He's got good speed. He's a track athlete. Um, I just I just think he's a guy that, with his receiver experience and as a back, I think he can be a three-down back in the NFL at some point in the future. John right. Falcone, if you say anybody other than Shaquem Griffin, I will be very upset. Yeah, Shaquem Griffin is just uh, – he's awesome. I mean, he's just a – Crazy athlete, and uh, he seems to be able to just overcome everything. And as a as an amputee myself, I just think it's really really cool to see him, you know, at this stage of his life, at his career, to just you know about about to go like play pro football. After I lost my arm when I was three, he lost his arm when he was four. Um, so I just think. I mean, I just think it's like super cool. Like, I think it's like like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna live vicariously through this guy for probably the next like I don't know what ten years of his career. So I can't wait to buy his jersey. I really want to know where he's going so I can get started there. Uh, my guy is Josie Jewell. Uh, we're, we're we were talking about linebackers that remind us of. Uh, of Brian Urlacher and Josie Jewell reminds me a lot of him. Um, Nothing flashy about his game. He just gets the job done. He's a tackle machine. Um, And guys who, uh, who are inside linebackers that are strictly tacklers tend to get overlooked in drafts. And I, I, that's why I have a feeling a lot of people are going to overlook Josie Jewell because he, he just seems to be a tackler. But you need tacklers. And uh, so, uh, he, he's, he's just a guy that, uh, again, you're, you're coming from Iowa. You're coming uh, from a, a program that is built on physicality. And he, he's just he's just a guy that I like. So, um, gentlemen, once again, I want to thank each of you for uh, for your time tonight. Uh, tomorrow is going to be uh, a, a extremely fun, and uh, I, I hope to uh, to talk with each of you soon. Okay, thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. This was great. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. I really appreciate it. I love it. All right, John. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. All right. Excellent. All right. So that was uh, that was the Back Sports page 2018 NFL Draft Special. Um, once again, we are joined uh, by John Lobb, FootballDieHards.com, Brian Bossarge, DeepFriedDraft.com and our special guest, John Falcone, someone who I have personally been attending NFL drafts with for 10 years. Um, he's the, the, the guy that I talk to the most about the draft. We, we text daily about, uh, about what's going on. So it was, uh, it was good to have him join us as well. want to thank everyone into this podcast. 
whether you're listening live on Blog Talk Radio, whether you're downloading us on on iTunes, uh, thanks again. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at R Stern at R S T E R N thirty three. Uh, you can follow uh, John Lobb of Football Diehards dot uh, com. You can uh, he is at Gridiron Skull. That's Gridiron S C H O L. Uh, check out Brian Bosarge uh, at DeepFriedDraft.com. Uh, and he is on Twitter at DeepFriedDraft. Uh, so once again, thanks for tuning into, uh, into our podcast, and we will, uh, we will talk soon.